Uh, welcome all. My name is Sharad Agarwal. Uh, I am the Chief Metaverse Officer of Cybergear and the founder of OnlyWebinars.com. I have three amazing panelists with me who are coming from various parts of the world. Dirk is checking in from Frisco. Salman is actually based in Frisco, but today he's coming in from India. And Stephanie is coming in from France. And I, of course, am right here in Dubai. So the, uh, you know, the cool thing is that I met all my three panelists in Dubai in the last few weeks. And what does it say? Dubai is clearly the magnet, which is attracting all entrepreneurs, investors to Dubai. And clearly it is going to be the hub of the metaverse and the crypto space. And you don't have to believe me, just see the amazing events that Dubai government has been organizing, right from the Dubai Metaverse Assembly to 12 conferences that we've had in the last six weeks. So Dirk, let's do the introductions. I'm coming to you. Please uh, let our audience know, uh, you know your background and then we'll get down to business. Over to you Dirk. Okay, hello, good morning world, I said, right, we just, it looks like we're <laughs> dialing in from everywhere, and um, I'm dialing in, as you can see here in the background from Golden Gate Bridge, San Francisco. So my name is Dirk Lute, I'm co-founder and co-CEO of Upland. Um, Upland is currently, you know, when you take land owners, the largest metaverse uh, based on blockchain technology. Uh, we're using the real world, and uh, yeah, so how did we get started? We originally had the idea to... Uh, you know, we we're playing Monopoly. We take, you know, we were inspired by that great game, which everyone probably knows. We said, okay, we take that, we take the real world, and we take, of course, um, blockchain. And um, that was how Upland was born then in 2018. And since then, we launched in 20 cities in the US, in Rio de Janeiro and Porto. You don't have to be in those cities to play. It's very easy to understand when you understand Monopoly, you purchase a few properties there, and um, and then you can actually start to collect them and you can start more yield um, uh, when, when you complete the collections, for instance. However, fast forward now, um, Upland becomes more and more the lobby of the metaverse. Um, we also just recently launched our third-party developer platform where third-party developers can be Web2 applications, but it can be also you know, any any not new application. You can build on top of Upland your own experiences and so on. But again, can I elaborate a little bit more on that? So this is one thing I'm doing, but also um, same, I'm also the chairman of the Open Metaverse Alliance for Web3. Uh, on my3.org, uh, we have uh, roughly a thousand um, registered um, uh, companies right now, and um, and I invite everyone to join as well, of course. But I can also speak about that a little bit later. So let's me. Yeah, thanks, Doug. Uh, I'm going to go to Salman. And Salman, I met you, I guess, three times in real life, but it seems like I've known you for 30 years. So please, <laughs> please introduce yourself to our audience. Thank you, Sharad. And thank you, hello, everyone around the world. Um, I'm Shaman Chakraborty. I'm the managing director of Elysium Ventures. Um, uh, so Elysium is probably the world's first metaverse-focused fund. Um, I come to it from this is probably our second fund, and the first one was in the space of deep tech, uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, blockchain, and visual collaboration. I will elaborate a little bit on that as I go along. Um, that we got inspired by the metaverse and set up this fund, which focuses on six. Uh, different sub funds, and they include the Meta Startup, the Meta Enterprise, the Meta EduTech, the Meta Health Tech, the Meta Gaming and Entertainment, 
as well as the Meta City and ESG, which is the equivalent of digital trends. We've been inspired a lot. And uh, coming back to a little bit of my background, I have uh, started my career with a company which used to be called Digital Equipment Corporation. I was a member of the uh, PA 64-bit risk alpha processor team in the early 90s. Um, uh, started then joined IBM. Uh, many countries I have been instrumental in starting that. Got inspired by MIT Labs Open Contentware and Learning, and then introduced e-learning in many countries around the world. And finally, um, in 2005, uh, I integrated video with education and delivered across a satellite network again in many many countries. Finally, in 2007, I was asked that I was doing video conferencing. So I actually went and built a 17-way video conference from a laptop way back in 2007. It's what we are doing right now. And those were the good old days of Sony, Polycom, and Tamworth screens probably you have forgotten about or has become history now. And I was told by a global expert that Charmin looks brilliant, but does a 17-way conference from a laptop. <laughs> My only answer that day was, sir, let's wait for a decade and there we go. We are inspired by the metaverse. I'll speak more and over to Sharad again. That's me. Thanks, Sonal. Let's head out to France and let's talk to Stephanie. Yeah, so very pleased to be with you today. So, um, indeed, um, I mean, I've been working for uh, the luxury and fashion industry for more than 25 years now uh, on a global scale uh, in different uh, executive positions uh, in the beauty, fashion, and luxury industry at Clarence Group, LVMH, and Richmond Group supervising actually innovation, disruptive uh, marketing, communication, and e-commerce strategy. I launched my first e-commerce uh, website for Dior uh, in 2002. Uh, so I've been dealing with uh, Web2, uh, uh, digital transformation and change management uh, for the last uh, 12 years, uh, learning and enjoying a lot, everything linked to growth hacking. Um, I also had different experiences within uh, different digital impact and tech startups. Uh, and I recently uh, founded Power3.io. So what is Power3.io? It's indeed uh, a Web3 impact studio uh, aiming to unlock uh, 50, up to 50% sustainable growth because we unleash brand uh, hidden assets and we uh, powered everything with uh, growth hacking, circular business model, uh, Web3, obviously Web3 technologies. Uh, we uh, reinvent uh, loyalty program, uh, switching them uh, into a reward uh, program. I will talk about that later. And we do believe uh, a lot into uh, community power. Um, so um, I also um, a member of uh, the EU Tech uh, Chamber and the World Economic Forum Expert Network, and I'm very pleased to be part of uh, the advisory board uh, of the Metaverse Fashion Council, the French uh, Circular Fashion Federation, and since uh, yesterday evening I join the Startup Innovation Program at uh, Farfetch. And last but not least, I've been uh, I've been very honored to be a feature in the pioneering uh, 100 Women of the Future project. So this is uh, this is me. Wow, we have so much talent in this room. Amazing. That's all I can say. All right. So Doug, can I come to you and uh, 
please explain to our audience, you know, how can they get involved with Upland? What do people have to do? What is the ecosystem that you are building? And how can people monetize? Yeah, so um, of course, there's several ways. By the way, I saw in the comments also some people and I say hi to everyone, right? I also, oops, uh, it's always difficult. This I wrote also um, the book Navigating the Metaverse. Um, you can buy it on Amazon. Thank you for all the reader and for reading it. <laughs> so, um, and um, yeah, so with Upland, I mean, you know, uh, as also Stephanie said, you know, it's all about community, you know, Web3 and in on uh, <clears throat> on on the metaverse. So that's, you know, Upland has a very large community. As I said, we have about 3 million registered users and 300,000 uh, landowners so far. And what is important is um, that you actually come with the right expectations, right? So Upland, um, the way, one of the reasons we've been growing so fast, much faster than others, because we that's said from day one, okay, we really want to go mobile first. That means we have iOS and Android app, you know, over since over two years already. And um, because we said, okay, the VR world at this and uh, AR is not that yet there. It's, it's very much for technical geeks. So we invite everyone just to download the app and, you know, to try out Upland. But but the thing is, um, when you think about the metaverse, it's not like like a game. You know, when you think about Angry Birds, you sign in, you know, you start playing and immediately understand. It's very much, you know, when I when I go, let's say, visit uh, Stephanie in Paris, right? So and I have never been to Paris. I mean, the truth is, actually, I lived in Paris for a year. But <laughs> but the, the thing is, you know, you, you go there, you go to a city, you don't know what to do, right? You need someone who helps you get around, right? You need a guide. You need, you know, either you buy a book or... Uh, or you maybe have someone who, who you know who, who shows you around. So this is also how you have to understand the metaverse. The metaverse is not just one thing or like like the stream on social media where you just log in and you know you just do th and, you know you just can passively consume stuff, right? The metaverse is all about activity. You go there, you do something there, right? That also means you also have to spend time to understand what you can do. Where so so many stuff, and um, so that's what I recommend. You know to coming back to your questions, download it, go into the community. Our community is currently in Discord. We, you know, in mid uh, short term, we're actually going to move every all the communication because Upland is becoming a social network. We're moving uh, lots of all the communication into Upland. Right now, most of the communication is happening in Discord. There you find your guides. There you can help. People are super helpful to, to show you around. And then, you know, then you can go to YouTube and, and learn about it a little bit. So when we currently do, for instance, partner deals, you know, you have partner deals with the NFLPA here in the US with FC Porto. We're going to announce very large partnerships very soon as well. You know, we always uh, put a big emphasis on the educational part of, of, of the metaverse, right? It's because I think for lots of people, it's so new to understand it. And I think we still all have to, you know, contribute uh, to the education uh, to everyone. So that's when you're a consumer, and then maybe just to finish up, uh, when you when your business. So we have a you know we have a partner website, um, and we have actually you can go to partner at upland.me when you want to start working with us. When you have a proposal, right, you can do that there. When you let's say when you're a brand, and I said uh, at the beginning at my speech, um, when you when you're a third party developer, when you know how to code and so on, then you can also go to our website and sign up for our third party developer program and develop your own experience based on top of Upland. <clears throat> Yeah, thanks for that explanation, uh, Dirk. I remember when we met in Dubai, you emphasized the fact that you built this with a mobile-first approach, right? So you have full functionality on a mobile. And I love your UX interface. 
because it's so easy to onboard people and even navigation is uh, pretty straightforward compared to some other metaverses where you know you keep hitting against the wall and find it very clumsy and clunky so i do want to give a shout out to your developers who done a great job at building that interface you get yeah, i will let them know <laughs> No, it was, was always important, right? Because we know mobile first, that's where people are. 80% of the users are using us now on mobile, right? They sometimes go on the web to do something. But then, and then, but also you're obfuscating the rest of the blockchain thing. So you don't need to install your private key, have a private wallet and passphrases and so on. It's just email with a certain technology. We developed a smart client, very proprietary solution to make it even easier. Because let's say normal people, when they lose their password, right? They want to call someone or write an email, right? Right? So we enable them to do that as well, right? And last but not least, we give them the possibility of just to use fiat, meaning dollars, right? PayPal or credit card to purchase something in Upland, right? So it's not so that complicated. <clears throat> Super. And Doug, when are we going to see Dubai on your platform? Actually, I was very, very amazed when I was in Dubai, right? Because I, I read about Dubai. I came for the first time. I met you, of course. Right? I met Stephanie as well, who was there. It was fun. And... Um, uh, truly, I you know I'm I'm here in Silicon Valley. Of course, this is the center of innovation, right? We all know that, right? And there's lots of things going on. But truly, I think Dubai doesn't have to hide there right at all, right? It's really great. I went to the Museum of Future and so on. So I always get asked, when is the city opening? I said soon. <laughs> but uh, I, I hope we can really open up uh, uh, Dubai next year, right? Uh, depends a little bit, you know, we're looking for partners because what we want, always we want to have partners, local partners. We open up and, you know, because then, you know, we couldn't help us, you know, tap into local communities and so on. So once we establish those partnerships, uh, we're probably going to look into opening up Dubai. Look forward, Dirk, first quarter of 2023. All right, <laughs> I'm going to now go to Soman. Soman, when I met you uh, the first time, <clears throat> you told me a very interesting story, story about uh, your investment in TouchCast. I want you to please share that story with our audience. Sure. Um, well, um, I was passionate always about investing in technology, working very closely with the University of California at Berkeley, being one of their global ambassadors. Uh, we, we live and breathe technology and work with a Greek. Uh, so from that perspective, there's something very close to my heart and the video space. So 20 years ago, uh, there were three players in the world which dominated video, Sony, Polycom, Hamburg. 20 years later, with so much of video boom, if I asked you to name 10 players, you're going to struggle. There are under five players which dominate the world. Why is it so? Why aren't there entrepreneurs who can build scalable video systems which pans across you know, uh, continents and countries and why doesn't every country have a Zoom? Uh, the answer to that is video as in data is a completely different animal compared to data as in data. And as of today, as right now, the way we see video, it's still dumb in the sense that uh, I capture, I compress and I decompress. Video is now gonna become intelligent and I will describe a little bit about it. Uh, two years ago, so there was a passion that I'm gonna build nerds who are going to get then acquired by people like Zoom or maybe Microsoft Teams. And because I understand this space, while I was doing all that, I met an amazing gentleman, an amazing company, which said they want to build the metaverse two years ago. The word metaverse two years ago was appearing in a couple of, uh, couple of articles here and there. And some people were saying, oh, let's see, what, 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 what's that new, new word? There was that new coin. And when I heard about his story, I decided to almost invest in him within 
30 minutes or so. That's probably the fastest investment decision we've ever taken. We put in $5 million two years ago. This year in CES Las Vegas, he launches his platform. Microsoft, NVIDIA, Epic, uh, you name it. Everybody comes up and says, while we are all talking of the metaverse, this guy has built it, so we are all on his platform. He has done something over a Zoom call or a Microsoft Team call, which I cannot explain in words. It is simply fascinating. A company which was struggling to have $1 million in their bank account about, a, about two years ago has $30 million worth of cash in their bank from customers. And the customers include Accenture, Macquarie Bank, uh, Fiat, Gucci, Ferrari. In fact, the Fiat CEO came on video and said that this is the fastest deal that they've ever made with any company. Barca, the Spanish league, it goes on. What he has done is, let me try and explain that, even the chief digital officer of Microsoft has joined his board. Uh, imagine you walk into a Microsoft store, and in that store, you're going the visual experience, and without an AR, VR headset, you're doing it on any physical device that you have. And I'll come to this point a little bit later and, and what, what I think about it. And then you go and come to Shaman as a salesman, and you want to buy a simple laptop. So I change colors, I show you everything, all the visual effects that you have, may have seen many times. But what you will not realize is after buying the laptop and going back online across a Zoom or a Microsoft Teams call, that I was actually not a human. I was AI-driven synthetic person who has the ability to answer human questions. One. Two, he's created, let's say we get the 65 sliders every day, right? In his neural network and AI layer, he's created a software, I mean, a capability by virtue of which those 65 slides just come to you in a gist in just a couple of seconds. He has created a video head. So he's, come, he's put in uh, collaboration, communication, and commerce. Today, about, about the understanding of metaverse is just about commerce because NFT is transactional and NFT is gone. Uh, gone live in many, many places, but essentially it's a total combination of these three components. We are very happy with this investment and that actually led us to believe that we are set, we have set up a billion dollar metaverse plan, probably one of the first of its kinds anyone daring to do so, but yes, we welcome, we welcome entrepreneurs from around the world to approach us in various categories in, in, in this journey. Yeah, so that's about it, Sure. Amazing, Salman. Uh, if you can please uh, put the URL of TouchCast in the chat, then our audience can uh, visit the site and understand more on how this technology really works. It's okay, uh, I'm going to Stephanie. Um, let's talk a little bit about luxury fashion industry because I believe it's going to be huge, right? Almost $50 billion by 2030, according to certain estimates. So uh, my question to you is very simple. How do brands, you know, reinvent themselves, use Web3 uh, technology uh, to generate revenue streams? So how do, uh, you know, fashion brands reinvent uh, themselves in this space? Yeah, very good question. Uh, thanks for asking, uh, Sharad. Uh, what is a very, um, I mean, unusual and uh, and uh, and very uh, i mean impressive is the fact that the opportunity is absolutely tremendous but when you talk with brands uh, they do not really know you know how they will uh, generate new revenue streams but when you look and when you are part of the web3 um, i mean revolution uh, you realize that 
uh, actually fashion and luxury brands have many different options to uh, uh, to leverage new revenue stream uh, in the Web3 space. Uh, I've been working uh, during, uh, I mean, for a year now on 13 different options uh, for the industry. And I'm going to list them because I think it's very interesting to uh, see how broad and diverse they can play with uh, Web3 uh, uh, revolution and the different platform that uh, are and, and technology that are now available. So the most known uh, of all is, is definitely, you know, let's call them art NFTs drop. So we have seen a lot. This is very 2021, let's say again, 2022, but for sure, I don't expect, you know, a, a, a huge number of drops as the one we've seen uh, during the last 18 months, simply because um, there is a true lack of utility. So we see a decrease of the interest as it is uh, uh, today. But there is another type of NFT um, and not a lot of people are aware of, which are called utility dynamic NFT. And you can generate um, revenues minting those NFT. So the particularity of uh, this type of NFT is the fact that they bring amazing opportunities uh, considering the utility and the customer uh, experience improvement they bring. So I'm going to give you a very concrete example. I was working for many uh, watch and, uh, and leather goods uh, brands and we were adding to every single physical product a utility dynamic NFT, which enabled each consumer to prove the authenticity and the ownership of the product. So within the NFT, the utility dynamic NFT, you could have some information about the product, uh, the, the proof of the fact that you are the owner and this is a, a, a genuine uh, product, plus, uh, additional um, updated uh, information, such as, for example, if you go to uh, repair your watch, you will have all the history of what has been done on your watch. That's the reason why we call them utility, because there is a true purpose behind those NFT. And on top, dynamic, because you can update them, which is not the case of the uh, classical art NFT drops. Um, so the, another type of revenue you can generate is the fact that when you update, upgrade, or upsell those utility dynamic NFT, you, I mean, the end consumer has to pay gas fees. So it's a sort of, uh, you know, price cost they have to pay to um, actually add an updated information within uh, their NFT or buy more space, for example, to embed videos on chain um, and you can also unlock new functionality uh, or services on your nft so that's another way uh, to generate uh, revenues uh, we have another type of um, uh, service you can offer to uh, your customer is what is called sal bond token sbt uh, so uh, it's um it's not linked to a product and it's not transferable it's something that is linked to a person. I give you a very um, uh, easy example to understand. Uh, for example, all your diploma will be converted into a SBT and those SBT are non-transferable because it's linked to you personally. So you can have SBT for your diploma, you can have SBT for your accomplishment, 
uh, to prove that you've been uh, through a training or your your or a certain course. So it's a way to really prove and avoid that um, you know people just uh, uh, give information that are not very uh, uh, either up to date or true. Another source of revenue for the brands is the fact that obviously uh, they can create digital uh, products and sell them. Uh, it's also called, you know, digital twin, digital fashion items. Uh, and this is very interesting. Uh, do you know that, um, I mean, I was reading a, an article a few, uh, few days ago, 68% of all fabric end up in trash within one year. So developing and offering first the digital version of any product, this could have a tremendous impact on the acceleration of uh, any brand sustainability transformation. This will also improve your forecast. So reduce a certain amount of, of cost. Uh, and you will be able, thanks to these digital product sales, to uh, start a new business model um, based on uh, uh, on-demand uh, production with a higher level of personalization. So that is a tremendous way to not only ge generate new uh, revenues, but on top have a tremendous impact on the planet. Another example of revenues is digital services. So you can sell digital services and, and it's, you know, we have to look at what is available on web, on web two and see how we can convert and switch them in the web in the web three space. For example, uh, you can uh, offer as a service the possibility to customize an avatar, to personalize your digital fashion, uh, to repair uh, your physical uh, product, as I mentioned, and update your NFT uh, within the traceability reports. And you can add, uh, you know, certification of authenticity. Um, the next one is simply, you know, community membership. You have, uh, uh, you can get uh, NFT to enter a certain level within the community. But if you want to access, you know, it's like the uh, the um, the airline uh, system. If you want to access better services, you have to pay a membership or you have to earn, you know, uh, to reach uh, the, the the next level. It's the same in Web3 space. So you, you can definitely, you know, uh, gamify your community and give uh, benefits uh, to, uh, to the most loyal uh, clients. Um, another way uh, to generate revenue, it's marketplace royalties. And this is game changer, meaning that, for example, a brand selling uh, a product to a first client, if the first client resell it to uh, another, uh, you know, uh, like, let, like the model peer-to-peer -peer sell, the brand will get royalty. So it's a way to generate passive income, and this can be uh, this can have a tremendous impact on 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 the brand revenue. Um, yeah, Stephanie, yeah, I have to so many things because uh, yeah, thank you for all those insights. That's almost like a masterclass and uh, so many opportunities for yeah, absolutely. to monetize. Um, let me just take one question from or comment from the audience. Kareem D'Souza wants to know a little bit about building communities in the metaverse. We actually held a webinar on this subject just two days back. So Kareem, I'll point you to, uh, to onlywebinars.com. Uh, you can view this whole one-hour episode on that. Uh, all our webinars are archived. There's also a podcast available. 
And uh, talking about joining communities, we have created one called Meta Shapers. I've put it uh, in the chat. So all you have to do is go to that website and join this community. We have experts on almost every topics, NFTs, DAOs, tokenization, etc. Okay, let's come back now to Dirk. Dirk, let's talk about your book. I mean, it's it's a masterpiece. Uh, what got you into writing this book? How long did it take? How is it going? And are you already working on the next edition? <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> that's a good question. I mean, how did it came together? So um, <clears throat> I wrote the book together with Kathy Hackel. She's also well-known uh, personality here in the US in, in, in Metaverse. And with, um, I think she's called the godmother of the metaverse, and with Tomaso Di Bartolo uh, from Berkeley. At that time, uh, when we roughly a year ago, um, you know, they were both working for Upland, and, you know, we were, you know, going, meeting partners, brands, and so on. And, you know, what we discovered at that time is we always had to explain over and over what the metaverse is. And I was said, you know, that's why don't we, and they had so many questions, right? And we would keep on, you know, the first two meetings were always about the same stuff. I said, you know, let's, let's do a shortcut. Uh, let's write two or three, you know, chapters, uh, you know, as an ebook and then hand it out and for, for them to read or a presentation and so on. And then, but then Wiley heard about us and uh, they said, hey, you know, don't you want to write a book and publish it professionally said okay why not yeah and then we wrote it actually last year uh, over the holidays um so the book uh and then i mean the thing is you know we're living in a digital age but books uh, somehow you know from the last age right? so we finished it actually january or so i think february then it had to be you know someone had to read it right and you know for errors and and, and so on and then uh and then it had to be uh, printed and then it had to be delivered so i think it then came out when was it actually mid-may right <laughs> so five months in the metaverse right it's basically i always say a factor of five it's like 25 months in real life right so so to be honest to your question is that i think i could already start three more books right because so much things happened right and some of the stuff we've written in there i've written i would have written differently now with my knowledge which i have now right but it's just the way it is but i think it still serves as a good starting point for for people who want to get heads around we have a lot of definition in there but sometimes we also dive quite deep into it i think the topic of today's webinar is also about the economy I'm an economist, so I took all the economy, the economy uh, parts in, in in the book, right? So, and um, that's something which is probably more long term. However, companies who are successful, what are they doing, right? Because the, you know, what are they doing in the metaverse? That is changing. That will probably change in the next five six years because there's still a lot of business models to be figured out in the metaverse as such, right? But the fundamental assumption that the metaverse is a new nation state, it's like like a country, right? And the country works, it has, you know, it has factors of productions, it has uh, utility functions for money and all that. That's actually interesting. That actually will not change. This will be very the same what you have in, in real life. Yeah, it's just the business models and the ideas and the products, which are somehow different and sometimes also very, very similar, right? Just digital. Yeah, Dirk, uh, I'm curious to ask you your perspective on when do you think mass adoption is going to happen in, in this industry? <clears throat> so, first of all, you have to define what is mass adoption, right? When So, in the old days, when, when you're thinking when uh, apps came around, mobile apps, right? People, or let's, no, let's take a step back. When web came around, 
right? You said, okay, uh, you know, when you have a hundred thousand or maybe a million users, right, for for a website or something, oh, that that was a, called mass adoption at that time. I mean, on a global scale, of course, you can you know break it down when you go to national levels and so on. Yeah. But um, so that was that was the, then apps came around, and then this bar was lifted to ten million. Yeah. So, however, I think we cannot say okay. You know, let's let's uh, use the same math and say okay, maybe it's a hundred million where the metaverse is used by a hundred million people, right? So, you know, so that, that's the first thing, right? I think that's a little bit tricky. I think you cannot do that. The second thing is, so what, what, what is the threshold? I tend to say, always oh, when I get that asked, I still believe when people are 1 million people are in the metaverse, you know, on a daily daily base, right? I think then we have reached you know, first signs of mass mass adoption. That's, that's my subjective view. And then, of course, you have to define what is actually the metaverse, right? When, when we talk about the metaverse, right? So there's so many definitions out there. And some people say it's not even here yet. Some people say it has been here since 10 years. We're doing Zoom calls or whatever, right? So at the end of the day, I think the metaverse is probably anyway something we aspire to get to what it is it doesn't matter at the end of the day right but we we know we're going somewhere and things are changing somehow right but i think when our daily behavior shifts and let's say people are spending let's say a million people spending not the time in social media whatever you know facebook or snapchat or whatever right but one you know one million people spend time in an upland face in um sandbox or, or decentralized wherever right then we i tend to say hey no this is the sign of most adoption yeah great actually there's a study out by Citibank which says an estimated five billion people on the planet will be spending a couple of hours by 2030 i guess that's when that's their definition of mass adoption but uh, anyway, let's uh, go to Soman. Soman, can you talk to us a little bit about Elysium Ventures' vision and how you think you're going to jumpstart the Web3 ecosystem in, in the MENA region? Um, so, um, of course, we started off from the Valley and then one of the first things we did was we understood that there was a collaborative research requirement around the world. And we chose Spain because we wanted to go for a holiday there as well. <laughs> now I'm just joking. All I'm trying to say is that we collaborated with the IE University of Spain. And then uh, we had Berkeley, Stanford, we had Carnegie Mellon, we had Northwestern, and about 15 universities from around the world come into Spain about two weeks ago and define what's going to be the future of metaverse in terms of not only technology, how entrepreneurs are going to behave, what will be the social impacts, what will be the legal impacts what will be the different kind of frameworks that the metaverse is going to see. So with that in mind, uh, we feel that UAE in particular, when you, when you go across numerous countries which are struggling with the, or the metaverse, some have focused on the technology part of it, some will find a lot of issues in the regulatory part of it. The more larger the country is, the more will be the problem. I think UAE has really come forward and shaped itself to be some kind of a leadership view in the metaverse space. The way the government is aligning itself, the way the government is propagating, saying that they, what they want to do in the metaverse is actually leadership positions in the world. The rest of the world is, of course, as I said, the larger the country, it's not a problem. It's just that they take more time. There are more processes. There are more systems that one has to go through. From that perspective, we felt that UAE possibly has got uh, currently the opportunity to lead the metaverse uh, kind of, uh, and, and small is always beautiful, 
So if you can implement uh, in a smaller, um, a smaller dimension and then go implement in the rest of the world, it's going to be that much more effective. Uh, so, coming, yeah. So that would be it. Yeah. Uh, you were saying something else. Please go ahead. No, I, I can come back to that. I just was wanting to say that what, in my opinion, is the metaverse, right? And, and, I, um, and uh, when people say, when is the metaverse going to come? I'm saying it's not coming. It's already come. And the way it's come, it was there. You didn't realize it. You close your eyes and you're in your metaverse, right? You can go to Paris, you can go to London, you can do whatever you can imagine. All you're trying to do is connect that with the physical world. And let me try and explain this with an example. They taught us in school that necessity is the mother of invention, right? And we all agree, I, I, I'm in complete agreement. But I believe that human beings invent and innovate for a very different reason altogether as well. And that is, they have an element of command and control. First, you want to control yourself, then your family, then the climate, then the pet, then the tie, then the bridge, whatever you see around you. The only thing you can control is the human body that you're blessed with. So what did you do? You took out the computational power of the brain and created a CPU and controlled it. You took created cameras, audio devices, networks from the Venus system, and they're nothing but the extension of the human body, right? And now you took out intelligence, and now you want to take out another person which is residing inside you. And that is your metaverse. That person is rearing to go and create another life for itself. You have a person which does not agree with many things, but they are agreeing because they are in frameworks. So whatever you do in your real life will exactly be replicated in the metaverse world as well. So good, bad will all come. It will be two lives that you'll be living together. It has already started. That's fine. Anyway, I took a little bit of more time, Shara. No, thanks, Solomon. My take is quite similar because when I get asked by people, you know, uh, almost around the world, what is your take on metaverse? I just say metaverse is a metaphor. Metaverse can be whatever you want it to be. It's up to your creativity and imagination. So clearly a lot of businesses are going to be born out of uh, people's creativity and imagination. And uh, Stephanie, I'm going to bounce to you because I know you are also thinking of setting up office in Dubai. Am I right? Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. No, no, I'm, I'm uh, attracted by this city, by the energy of Dubai, and the fact that um, I mean this uh, this city is really driving a lot of amazing people willing to uh, I mean be part of this uh, uh, tremendous revolution while bringing impact. So yes, definitely, I'm coming to Dubai. Great. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to John Scott, who's a part of uh, Meta Shapers community and a good friend of mine. Uh, I believe just yesterday he's written a great article about you know his experiences in Dubai over the last eight years. And uh, yeah, so do check that out, uh, John Scott Turco. Uh, you can find that article on LinkedIn and it's an amazing tribute uh, to the rulers of Dubai and also to this great city, which I call home uh, Dubai. All right, I'm going to circle back to you, Dirk. I want to understand, you know, uh, what is the end game of Upland? Where are you today in your journey? Where are you going with this? What kind of projections that you can share with us? And what is this whole virtual economy uh, concept? I mean, obviously you believe in it. And is it for real? That's my like last question to you. So, uh, okay, where do I start? I mean, maybe if it's for real, yeah, I, obviously it is for real, right? We say, because 
you know, I'm I'm an entrepreneur of my life. It's the fifth company I'm building, and um, to be honest, the most amazing one. And you know, we call also Upland obviously entrepreneurial metaverse because uh, we give our users tools to become entrepreneurs in the metaverse. And we have a few users who already gave up their daytime job because they're making money in Upland by contributing value. It's not just about speculation, you know, buying land cheap and selling it high or whatever, right? And um, short side note, because we have, since we have, we have this fixed exchange rate to the dollars, our prices of our NFTs didn't go, go down, which our community really appreciated in the last few months. But however, um, so the, but that is what, what what we aspire. And when and when to your to your question, what the end game is, is uh, you know as I mentioned earlier, we're building this nation state, and nation states you know normally should not have end days, right? It's something which uh, lives forever. So I clearly said, um, you know, when we started out Upland, um, you have to be. You know, when you when you when you when you when you when you have a new company, when you come, or when you have a product, or when you have a even a you know a whole country, you have to protect it at the beginning, and that means at the beginning we as operator were very careful, right? What we let the community do, we want the community to own it at the end of the day, right? But um, the problem is when you give too much control to the community to, to decentralize at the beginning, they always have bad actors in all economies who then maybe destroy that economy, right? So simple math, right? When you have 10 people in an economy, there's one bad actor, right? And it's 10% chance that he destroys it and he has a big impact, right? When you have a million people and there's one bad actor, right? And, you know, but then it's much less, right? And um, so that's also the way we build um, the upland economy. At the beginning, we're subsidizing a lot of activity. So for instance, when you buy something in Upland, you earn a small income on each property, right? what we call that yield, like roughly 14% a year, it used to be 17% a year. And we're going to reduce it maybe even more in the future, because at the beginning, we wanted to incentivize trading of properties between players, because we didn't have a lot of futures in the game. But eventually, now we can slowly start to reducing it because we gave those entrepreneurial opportunities to, to our players, that they can make money in a different way, not just by passive income just by owning something so what what are they doing so i mean besides the fact of course we're coming a little bit from the gaming right we have treasure hunts where they can you know find treasures and win some game but that's work right it's not just very easy but also you know they can run and operate shops in upland i mentioned we have a partnership with nflpa maybe they become you know they sell they have a fan store they're selling nflpa stuff or soccer things also outdoor decor uh, we introduced cars into upland so we're building for instance around cars a full economy so we're going to work with car manufacturers and they're going to produce cars in upland right and they cannot produce it like with a finger snip right they really have to put resources behind it and there's it takes time to produce them and then we have maybe a player who is in the transportation services he transports then the cars to a showroom and the showroom is organized by another entrepreneur in upland who then sells cars to players then, um, then we have also car racing, and then we have maybe car racetrack designers. This is another entrepreneurial opportunity. Maybe then the cars break down and have to be fixed. Then you have a, a repair shop in Upland, so people can repair it. I mean, this is, of course, you could all avoid it, but this is part of the game. This is part of the fun to do it. And that's, But in this way, we're creating this whole you know, sub-economy within our larger economy. And, um, and eventually, 
this increases what is called what we, what we economists called the velocity in a, in, a, in a system. That means people are trading more and more with each other, like what you have today. People are trading in Dubai. They're trading in, in Canada, wherever, right? And and um, in ideal case, right, the state, you know, the authority goes back, right, and let the people do it. However, and that's part of my, so I wrote a PhD about private and state-controlled currencies. did a lot of research between centralization and decentralization. There's no optimal point. So you have two curves. One is going this direction, one the other. One's the cost of centralization, one's the cost of decentralization. And where those curves meet, that's the optimum for a society where it's the best. Because sometimes you need people to manage something on a, from a centralized perspective, right? Because they have just no knowledge about things. That's why we have, for instance, central bankers. We can now discuss if central bank is good or bad, but they have, you have to have knowledge. You have to understand what they're doing, right? But then you have to the all the, the entrepreneurial activities. This should be really decentralized, right? And this is how good economies work. And that's how the metaverse can also work. And that is our vision of Upland. And once, you know, because right, we were a little bit more centralized, but we're stepping back. We gave a lot of, for instance, we just introduced uh, voting so people can do that and vote about things. So hopefully, you know, one day that's, I will be happy when I step out of Upland, maybe five or 10 years or so, can say, I created, you know, hundred thousands, millions of new jobs, right? And the whole thing is working on its own, and 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 uh, can really step away. So that's that's a big vision here, the end game. Great, great explanation of uh, what you are building. Uh, just uh, for the audience, please uh, download Upland on your mobile. Within minutes, you can join the community, and you can start uh, buying virtual real estate. Uh, it's gamified. I'm an, uh, you know, I'm an uplander, and I do recommend that you guys check it out. Uh, it's quite addictive once you're in, and I believe, uh, Dirk, am I right in saying you have more active users than all the big four virtual real estate uh, metaverses put together? Yeah, we we're you know whatever measure you take, funds if you take landowners, right? I don't want to man mention all the competition, but you probably all heard of all them. <laughs> They're always in the news. We're a little bit less in the news. Um, but uh, if you take them all together, we're still five, six times larger than all of them together. The reason is because we are much more inclusive, right? In our world, people can buy something for a small amount of money. Because I think that's the problem with also with Metaverse and Web3. People always want to try to be exclusive and create FOMO and so on, right? I'm, I mean, of course, you have to create a little bit of that. That's okay. But, but this is what drives people. But it becomes core of your business model. I'm very skeptical that, you know, that this as a system can work, right? Because if you, for instance, if you have only speculators or investors in your metaverse, right, then they will not play, they will not engage. And then the, what I just earlier mentioned, the velocity is not going to increase. And then most likely, it's going to be very difficult for them to sustain the user the whole system right and you have to be inclusive because we want to be really we want people in africa dubai middle east wherever we want them to come to upland and and uh, benefit from the opportunities great uh thank you Doug. uh Salman, as an investor what is your advice to some of the startups i mean when you are looking to invest are you looking at team size are you looking at their passion or are you simply looking whether they are out there to change the world? Um, we've always, uh, as a fund, been uh, inspired by technology and that also drives us. So instead of saying that we only understand Excel sheets and also can evaluate technology, 
we put it the other way around. We say that we understand technology and also know the Excel sheet. So, so these are the two positions that we have for entrepreneurs. Broadly, we cover the garage and the growth. Garage is an essential component of what you learn in the Valley and everything started from the garage. So 30% of our capital goes towards the garage and 70% towards growth. When we are looking at entrepreneurs in the garage, then it's just that idea that spark, that face, uh, that, that, that actually is in front of you to be able to decide on, your, you know, bet on the next generation of ideas. Uh, when you're on the growth stage, you have some proof, you have some proof of revenues. And of course the investment ticket sizes are very different in the garage. It starts from $500,000 to 2 million. On the growth stage, it goes from 10 million to 50 million. So it depends on where you are. But we anticipate a lot of garage development. Metaverse has just begun. My advice to entrepreneurs is gonna be that if you truly have the next generation of idea, that can, that is nothing. Again, I always, we always visualize entrepreneurs is what is the human problem that they're solving? And I go on repeating this, that in major innovations in the world is nothing but an imagination of the extension of the human body. So if you're able to visualize that, and metaverse is, is one of the biggest, uh, I would say an internal extension of the human body. It could be in the space of education, it could be in the space of healthcare, it could be in the space of entertainment and gaming, it could be in the space of digital twins or ESG, whatever you have, if there is a spark, we are probably one of the first of its kind available for you to evaluate that idea and who knows what happens next. So that's one part, Sharad. And I think, um, our, I think our desire now at this stage in life is to uh, dream through the entrepreneur and make them successful and build that metaverse which we're all talking about today, yeah. Super, thank you. Um, we just have now seven, eight minutes before we wind up. So I'm going to go around the room uh, with your takeaways from today's session. And also a note for our audience, uh, you know, uh, this whole Web3 ecosystem has just got started. It's uh, early days. Uh, and, you know, it's a great uh, level playing field. So you're not too late if you already haven't uh, got started in this journey. But please, now is the time. The best time was yesterday. Uh, but, you know, today is not too late. So uh, start reading up. Uh, go to YouTube, watch webinars, uh, download uh, Web3 glossaries and get up to speed. It's very simple. Just follow technology. And uh, clearly, I think I was just reading there were more than 10,000 articles in the last 30 days about the metaverse. So the whole center of gravity is shifting. And uh, now is the time for people to get really involved. Uh, Stephanie, uh, I'm coming to you. Uh, just some tips that you would like to share with our audience on uh, what are the opportunities you know, that the metaverse is going to bring and how can people start capitalizing on those? What is, what is the low hanging fruit? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, uh, what you just say, um, uh, Sharad, uh, is very essential. I mean, learn learning by doing is really critical. Uh, even if uh, you start small, but just start. And there is a uh, few things to be to be done uh, very easily. It's uh, very shortly. I mean 
convert your audience, all your social media, your CRM into, uh, into a community, a web free community, start to really engage uh, with them, bring value, develop a new direct relationship with them and, and open your mind to other industries. I mean, specifically in my um, domain, you know, fashion and luxury, they just look at the competition and that's it. When you see the benefits of understanding esports and gaming and twisting those business models for your industry is absolutely capital to develop new revenue stream. So it's for me, it's really, you know, make make the first step simple, but just start now and leverage already, you know, the community. Uh, be part of uh, a lot of uh, yeah webinar. I mean, join every only webinars because it's very important to um, to connect with people. The technology evolved very very quickly, so to um, to to learn and to update your and upgrade your vision, you need to be part of that. Yeah, thanks, Stephanie. Um, also, somebody in the audience was asking where they can see. Uh, past webinars, you need to go to onlywebinars.com, very simple. And we have a section called on-demand webinars. So you can view them. We've got more than 60 webinars uh, that are archived. So yeah, binge watching webinars is the next best thing after Netflix. All right, let's go to Dirk. Um, Dirk, uh, your closing thoughts on, you know, uh, what people who are just joining the space need to be doing and how can they jumpstart their activities? Yeah, so I mean, you basically said everything. So first of all, I want to say one thing is, you know, we have so many, unfortunately, bad news these days, right? When you read it, <laughs> this is a really, you know, when you open up the paper or, or whatever, your phone or whatever, and see that on TV and so on. What I found interesting is, you know, the media is always critical about all stuff. Bad news are good news. We know that, right? But um, somehow I, what I find interesting, I don't know if the group shares it here, is, you know, when it's about the webinar, people are, you know, it's much more positive uh, reporting. Of course, now people, you know, they're talking about meta and, you know, they have some issues there and then so on with what they've been building, right? But in general, I have the sense, you know, that there's a very positive sentiment that, that makes me super optimistic, right? That, you know, we will have, you know, more more interesting ideas coming up in the in the future right so and that that is something where i encourage everyone you know to uh to use i mean traditional media right we have we have youtube we have books right to to get into it but also um don't be shy to do mistakes right so it's really uh maybe also maybe just take a hundred dollars right invest you know into a metaverse into web3 wherever right that's the only way you can learn right and say okay if i lose a hundred dollars because i did bad decisions okay that's it but that's you know money i pay just to understand it right so don't be don't be afraid of that but i think that's the easiest way of of getting into it because one thing we have to have in mind the metaverse is a little bit different and social media because it's so my big hope is gives user the power back really to the user right everything is user centric right the users are less you know it has been said very often less the product right the users are in control of things right but what that means also is that you have to invest either time 
or you have to invest a little bit money into it, not your data, right? So you give it data so others benefit from it, right? So, so you have to be, to be aware of that. This is something also new, what the metaverse is changing potentially, right? So, and, um, but then otherwise, yeah, trial and error. That's how it works. Totally agree with you, Dirk. And uh, yes, audience, you need to try out new platforms. Don't necessarily have your meetings on Zoom. Um, you know, there is spatial, there is motor.com, there is you are nowhere, there's journey, experiment. Get into these uh, platforms, create your avatar, invite your friends, your family, your community members, host events. There's a lot of uh, fun involved and a lot of learnings involved. Uh, so, Soman, your closing thoughts for our audience. Um, well, I think, uh, again, I will say that the metaverse just unleash uh, that person in you, which is the metaverse residing. And that person, whatever requirement they have today, will be replicated in the metaverse. So, um, so one of the things I would like to probably highlight and explain this is in 2007, when we were building a 17-way video conference, it was not with the objective of showing our technology prowess, right? That we are able to do and no one else is able to do. It was simply based on the fact that um, everything in your important in your life that you've done, you've done after seeing, not hearing, even though 80% of the time you're on the telephone. And so the closest thing that comes to human beings is the word seeing is believing. So video has to become popular. Exactly the same thing is gonna happen in the metaverse. All that you do in the physical life will be replicated. You have to think of the product and the service of the interest and your skill, put it together, and you will find many people to find you out there. That would be my closing remark. On that optimistic advice, I'm going to thank our audience for investing their 60 minutes with us. I'm going to thank my panelists, Dirk, Stephanie, Solomon, for a very interesting and enlightening conversation. There will be a recording available along with the podcast tomorrow, same time on onlywebinars.com. And before I say final bye, our next webinar is on another very important topic. And this time it's called Climate Solutions in Web3. We're going to talk sustainability. Uh, it's on 15th November. And our two panelists are Aaron Grover and Josh Noller who are going to be dialing in from COP27 uh, in Egypt. So please register for that. And I will see you on the other side. Thank you, Salman. Thank you, Dirk. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, audience. Bye for now. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for the invitation. Yeah, bye-bye.